Hello, Managing Madrid listeners. This is your host, Kian Sobani. It is Saturday morning, the morning of the Champions League final. The podcast you're about to listen to with Kay Murray and Ray Hudson was recorded on Friday. And obviously, it was before the news broke out that Jose Antonio Reyes had died in a car accident today. And we just wanted to pass along um, just how deeply saddened we are from the Managing Madrid team about this news. Reyes, funnily enough, we actually talked about him on the podcast in both segments on Friday, and specifically his goal against Mallorca in 2007, which clinched the league title in the last match day and was truly one of the more memorable nights at the Bernabeu in all of its illustrious history. You just remember watching that, the, the noise in the stadium, the atmosphere, just incredible. The way it went down to the last match day, it really was one of the most emotional, I think, seasons we've had in, in, in modern football as a Real Madrid fan because there was just so much happening, the comeback after comeback. Then we had the Tamudaso that year, and then it was all clinched in the Bernabeu with goals, the winning goal from Mamadou Diara, and then Jose Antonio Reyes makes it 3-1 with a brilliant curler, left-footed curler in the far post. He will forever be immortalized for that. He was an incredible footballer, particularly his Sevilla days where he really put himself on the map. He ran rings around Real Madrid to the point where they beat Real Madrid 4-1 in 2003. Zidane had nothing but praise after the game for Reyes and, and really knew that Reyes was going to be a good player. And he is a very likable player. We will forever remember him. He will be immortalized for his moment at the, at the Bernabeu in 2007. And uh, our thoughts, love, prayers, everything to his family and him. Uh, and without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid Podcast, part one with Kay Murray, part two with Ray Hudson, both live in Miami. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Part one of a very special Managing Madrid podcast. We are live at the BN Sports Studio in Miami with Kay Murray. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Very good to be here. Uh, one year ago-ish. Was it? You were on, but it was through Skype. Not nearly as fancy as this. Like now studio I'm actually headphones. looking at you. I'm looking at you and it's... I'm kind of tripping out because I can hear you in headphones. We're not that fancy with our recording. This is very fancy. <laughs> but I am fulfilling a promise I made a year ago. You are. And you're also getting yourself a bit deeper into something that... Because you're doing, you're going through the Real Madrid diary today, which yes. is very special. Diaries, plural. Diaries, plural. There's multiple. I'm looking down. There's like three books. And this is and just, you this write is just small. half of them. This is just half of them. This is This is This is part one of another part because we have to go through the late years but this is Real Madrid the early years yes so 2000 and with six I started but I wasn't keeping a diary and it was late on in the season October well so October I came in so we're right. starting in 2007 right whole year okay so you actually went a whole year without doing a diary then I think that maybe I was keeping one I don't know where I've kept it I don't know where I've put it so I haven't got my opening days at Real Madrid TV but I have all the years that follow. Okay, so I've told you not to spoil any of this for me, so I'm going in this completely fresh, 
complete like just all the surprises that are going to come at me i'm excited for uh so this will, I assume that this will take us into a lot of discussion naturally with you're going to bring up a memory from your diary and I'm going to be like, wow, I remember that. That was a terrible day or that was a great day. Uh, I'm probably going to remember where I was because at that point in my life, I was a fan. I was not a journalist. I was a kid watching the games with my dad, um, the odd trip to Madrid to see the games. So I'm very excited to go through this with you. Um, where do you want to start? Okay, so I'm actually going to start in 2009, and then we'll re- we will rewind further. Okay. The reason I want to start in 2009 is I'm going to open my 2009 diary to May 24th, 2009. And this is for all the Madridistas listening, hopefully to make them feel better about the season that just was. Uh, so that's where we're going, May 24th, May 2009. May 24th, 2009. So let's just paint the picture. This was after a bad season. A bad season. And Florentino had just... Um, he hadn't come in at that point, but he was coming. No, he was coming. He was coming back. Vuelve uh, la ilusión, it was, they were saying. But uh, it actually starts with, I just almost cried. So I find out on this day, I realized it's the first time I've seen Real Madrid with nothing to play for. Mm. This is three seasons in for me. So... This is for many a Madrid fan that have just watched an amazing five years for Real Madrid and have suddenly found themselves in this very situation this season, watching their team with nothing to play for. And I said, I sat watching the game and it was a really strange thing to do as I realized I've never watched them play a game where there was nothing to play for. It was the end of an era as well in this game because there's an emotional goodbye from Fabio Cannavaro. He's leaving and you can remember how emotional those goodbyes would be from players on a personal note, Borough had lost and <laughs> relegated, <laughs> so it was not a good day for me. It just adds all your stress. It was horrible. And I've written, like, last year and the year before were great, so maybe we were due a bad year. And it was just to say that look what followed after that. But this is where I wanted to start because it just seemed to be too many parallels. And to let the listeners know that bad times will happen mm-hmm. when you support a big, successful club. But bad times aren't forever. And this is total proof of that. So we had a lot of Real Madrid fans who came along on the bandwagon. Uh, bandwagon is the wrong word. They became Real Madrid fans with Ronaldo. During that right? whole summer, okay. the ensuing summer, right? So a lot of people who are suffering this season, it, it was a bad season. They don't really know like how much we did suffer, right? No, I have no idea because they got used to winning too much. I mean, this is as bad as it was. It was one year. Exactly. Um, we went through multiple years. So the funny thing was then, though, is it had been two league wins, which yep. is not what it... Like, Champions League, just forget about it. Yeah, Champions it. League, was we, was we were hopeless. Exactly. Yeah. But this had been two league wins, yeah. and I'll get to it soon. There were players that weren't happy with that, and other players telling me, some of the players need to remember, we've just won two league titles. So that's why it's just a funny place to start. We need I, to... Sorry, we need to also preface this discussion. Most people know this. But people listening who don't know should know that you were working for Real Madrid TV this whole time, during this whole diary, right? Yeah, I worked there for six years and seven seasons. So this is from someone on the inside who was around the team, constantly knows the mood. So that's the context of why this diary is worth the price of gold. Absolutely that. Um, And I'm actually just checking the date on this next one because I think that I'm getting it right here, but I'm just going to check anyway. I think I've put a date wrong, but it says, just in, it looks like Calderon will announce his resignation tomorrow. Mm. And I am not bothered about this at the Mm -hmm. time. So I'm obviously a bit tired with everything that's gone on, even though it had been a successful run at first under him. And then I go on to say, I was in at 9 a.m., 
Calderon resigned at 6 p.m. I ended up having a 12-hour day. That was standard behavior. Like, that was quite a good day at Real Madrid TV. He almost cried as he thanked his wife and family. I don't really know what to think about it, but I would love to see Florentino come back to the channel, <laughs> I've said. Yeah. Um, so let's go back now. Let's rewind okay. to 2007 when everything seems okay. And it's the very beginning of the year and we've all come back to training. We've all been on our winter break. And the good news is for me, I was reintroduced to David Beckham, who I'd already been introduced to before that. And I made a huge error. I'm really excited here because I say this time I got the Spanish greeting of two kisses. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> maybe you know this story, maybe you don't. I don't. When I first met David Beckham, it was a nightmare. I mm -hmm. knew I was going to meet him, and I must be the only girl in the world who was told, you're going to meet David Beckham, right. and forgot to brush her teeth. Mm. Who would forget to do that? I definitely wouldn't. I would never forget to do that on a normal day. But that morning when I was getting ready, I popped some chewing gum in my mouth. Okay. So I'm getting ready. My mouth feels minty. Right. I leave the house. I am halfway to the channel. And I honestly, I was, <gasps> oh, my God, I've forgotten to clean my teeth. There's no going back. People don't wait for you. So I get introduced to David Beckham. Mm -hmm. And I was so terrified that I hadn't cleaned my teeth that I stuck my hand straight out to shake it. English style. And everyone in Spain greets two kisses, right. you know, one right. on each cheek. Yep. My male colleague was just looked at me incredulously, waited till the room had cleared and said, what were you thinking? And I said, what? He said, well, I'm a guy. I have to shake his hand. You had the chance to kiss <laughs> David Beckham twice and you didn't take it. So it became a running joke yeah. that I missed the chance as a red-blooded female to kiss David Beckham mm -hmm on both cheeks, mm -hmm. so don't worry. January 2nd, 2007, I corrected it. You got your chance. <laughs> but it's and funny. And did you brush your teeth the second time? <laughs> I brushed my teeth okay. the second time, don't worry about that. Uh, January 4th, this is when I learn about professionalism. I go to training with a very popular girl at the channel, she's on the Spanish side, and I say it was nice to have her with me, but we went to a cafe in the Real Madrid Ciudad, in the, basically in Valdebebas, in the right. training ground, during the training session, which was just unheard of for me to leave, and, and probably most people listening, who would want to leave a Real Madrid training session when you get the chance to watch Well, they're train? not that exciting, to be honest. But not, not now for us, yeah. because we've had the privilege to go and see that many a time. But you're supposed to be working during the practice? Absolutely. What are you supposed to be doing? Taking notes, taking minutes, basically, of right. what's going on of the rondas, of yep. piggy in the middle style games. But these guys were like the naughty kids at school. And I found out that whenever she went to training, her and her cameraman went to the cafe that the players would often go in. Not really the first team players, but you'd see like Castilla players and their okay. parents. And I said, um, her and Paul, Paul probably our cameraman at the time, Kay. wanted some food and invited me to the cafe downstairs. I thought it would be just to grab food, but they actually sat and ate. Apparently it's forbidden, and I understand why. Imagine if you missed something really important. It turns out we did. Mm. Roberto Carlos limped off injured, so I won't be doing that again in a hurry. I didn't tell anyone either. It just wasn't worth it. I know I sound like a right nerd. I know, but I want to be good this year. Not that I wasn't last year, but professionally, I want to be the best. I can be. <laughs> so these people have been doing this, but they've been getting getting away with They'd it. They'd been getting away with it. Yeah. And, they and the one day that you go is the one day that you don't get away with it. We didn't get away wow. with that. But I think that she made up for it by asking some of the Spanish journalists what happened. And we kept quiet and we didn't tell anyone. But I was 
pretty scared after that. So, it was a good lesson. So does that mean when Roberto Carlos gets injured, there's no one there to actually transmit the news because that's your job? It would be, but fortunately for us, you tra- you watch the session and yeah. then you report afterwards. So right. I think somebody So it doesn't messaged. have to be real time. No, but we didn't have the benefit of saying, well, we were watching and you could see him. We had to take someone else's word for it. Right. And that's not good. That's not good. That was a good lesson for me. That's a big lesson, big life lesson. <laughs> Do not <laughs> miss practice when you work for Real Madrid. <laughs> a day later, I say, it would be wicked if Marcelo starts at left back. So we're talking about a team where mm. Marcelo's not a starter at the moment. This is still 2007? We're in 2007 in January. Uh, the Depot curse is still well underway. Oh, I forgot about that. Did you? Well, how many years was that? It was... I think it was nearly two decades. Yeah. It was like past was 15 years, a ridiculously long time. So basically, for the benefit of the listener, um, the Depor curse was whenever Real Madrid played away at Riazor, they never won. Mm-hmm. They might draw, but they did never win for all those years. And even if they were having an amazing run, and even if they absolutely smashed them at the Bernabeu, they could not beat them at their stadium. Yep. It's interesting because when you go to their stadium, they were... They would pride themselves on being the only city in Spain that had not one Real Madrid peña, no Real Madrid fan clubs, and they would have big signs saying anti-Madridistas. Interesting, I didn't know And that. they were proud of that. Mm. And to be fair, they should be, <laughs> because... That's a very rare that, thing. That's some going, because yeah. nearly every city, well, every city in Spain has at least one peña, yeah. and they didn't, yeah. and that's in A Coruña. When you said Marcelo, you hope that he starts today, so that also, like, that takes us way back to when Marcelo was very young. That was also before Contra, wasn't it? So that was Gabriel Heinze yeah, at that time? Yeah, so this is 07. So Marcelo's just come in in yeah. that amazing winter transfer window of Fernando Gago, yeah. Gonzalo Higuain, yeah. and Marcelo. Yeah. And so we're all excited about this young Brazil. They're teenagers. That's yeah. how young they are. Yeah. So we, I think we already like him because he's a Brazilian teenager. So we're excited yeah. about fun. him. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, you know, I've said it, it would be wicked if he starts today. But now we get to some good stuff. I actually stick up for Capello here. Capello's the coach. Yep. Um, training was a bit weird. It was a somber mood after yesterday's game. Was that the death? Oh, no, I've missed something. You missed something? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Who do they lose to here? Obviously someone. By the way, bringing it back to Gago. (laughs) Go. I was so excited about him because we thought he was going to be the next Redondo. He looked so cool on the ball, though. He looked, he had the elegance at the time. He had the same kind of almost body frame as Redondo. He had, like, you know, that silky hair. Yeah. We're like, this is Redondo reincarnated, yep. and we were terribly disappointed. No, I know. Of those three, though, you know, two out of three ain't bad with two what the other bad. two brought. Yeah. No, this is the Depot curse the day before then. So, um, Gago started and Marcelo came on later, unfortunately. Capello had played Ramos at right back. 14 years since Real Madrid have won at Riazor. Depor actually ended nine games without a win tonight and they beat Real Madrid 2-0. So wow. the next day I say, training was a bit weird. There was a somber mood after yesterday's game. Capello wasn't around. He was having a crisis meeting with Miatovic. Hmm. He's been slated today, but to be fair, people do go a bit far. I really think that being a coach at Real Madrid would be difficult with squad decisions and players never 100% your choice is what I say, Mm. which gives you a kind of feel about how it was. It gives you an inside look, yeah. Because we knew that a lot of the time the players were kind of in charge. Yeah. I mean, that changed when Mourinho came in a few years later. Well, it's, it's also interesting coming from Capello, who was a very staunch character. Oh, I was terrified of him. No nonsense. Terrified of him. Yeah. 
absolutely terrified of him. I didn't even dare look him in the eye. You didn't, did you talk to him? <laughs> About once when I asked if my friend could have a photograph with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was terrified of him. Mm. And he, d- he did. He, you know, he had that kind of iron fist way about yeah. him. And maybe that's why the best came of it. But on Saturday the 13th, uh, we go away to Betis. And I find out this when I'm stood on the pitch. Now, I hated going to Betis. It was not a nice place for me to go to. Um, and I'd been to Seville to, to see Sevilla play, but Betis, I'd been spat on there. Mm. I'd been pushed out of the way by a policeman before, like roughed up outside the stadium. And I'm at the side of the pitch and someone keeps shouting, Rubia, Rubia. I had blonde hair, Rubias, Spanish for blonde. Mm. And I honestly thought that was my name when I lived in Spain because mm. that's all anyone would ever shout to me. So there's a guy shouting me from the stands and I'm trying to ignore him. And I've said, I only just found out about Beckham going to LA Galaxy for 128 million a year. That news didn't get to me. Well, actually it did from a Betis fan who kept shouting, one question, Rubia, please. Embarrassingly, I did not know what he was on about. And I found out from a Betis fan that the news had broken that David Beckham was going to LA Galaxy and I could not believe it. And remember, this is when Beckham has been left out of the squad by Capello. There's been that whole kind of power struggle between the two of them. And I could not believe that he would do this. And I could not believe that he would go to MLS and leave Real Madrid to do this. How did you feel about that at the time? Can you remember it? At the time, I just remember that we we always knew Beckham would eventually cash out. He was he was literally he was built for the MLS at some point because he's a marketing machine. Um, I that that's funny that you found out from a Betis fan. Yeah. So, but how did he tell you? How did he inform you? And, l- and let me just also he just shouted and told me, "Have you heard about Beck? Yeah, Beckham oh, okay. Beck's going to Madrid." And I was like, I was saying, no, 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 thinking that they're trying to get information off me as a journalist with the club because right, right. they could see the box on my mic. Yeah. And he's telling me in Spanish, no, I'm telling you because you clearly don't know. Oh Your man Beckham is going. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we've got our work cut out tonight. Mm. So that's how I found out from another 12 hour shift. Yeah. And we don't have Twitter here. Like, think about it. I yeah. mean, maybe it was around. I think it came around in 2006. I but think it wasn't 2007 popular. ish. It was like just yeah. becoming a thing. Yeah. So I, I joined Twitter in 2009 in August. So I'm, this is way before we know any of this. Like the information we get from the newspapers and from people ringing and contacts. Um, but February 9th, Beckham gets recalled. And February 10th, Beckham plays. <laughs> and we're all a bit excited about this because we all love David. Wait, so what was the date of the Betis incident? That's where we're going. Betis, 13th of January. Oh, it was that early? Yeah. Okay. February 9th, Beckham has been recalled. Claire got the info. That's my flatmate. Claire got the info before any of the journos. Good relations with press officers really helps you. I'm looking forward to seeing this press officer tomorrow. It was even on a strap on CNN, you know, when they put the ticker along the uh, bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah, the ticker, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even, it was, that's how big the news was, mm. and we were kind of living it. Um, we put up the squad before, we, we put this up before we announced the squad, so we were really happy to get the news first. Marco have written that if Real Madrid lose tomorrow, Capello is a goner. Mm. I cannot see it happening. Real Sociedad have won two games all season, so that's obviously who they're going to play. Yeah. Um, and Beckham scores in that game the next day. 
Um, Beckham started and you could not have written it, although I have written it here in my diary, but he scored from a free kick after 36 minutes to equalise after Real Sociedad had gone ahead after seven minutes. All the players went running over. It was great. Capello's face was a picture. In the second half, Ruud van Nistelrooy scored a header from a Torres cross. 2-1 it finished. So oh, Miguel Torres. Yes, Miguel oh Torres. God, Miguel Torres. Okay. He features again later. You'll be happy to know. Can we let's take a second to talk about Beckham since we're talking about Beckham? Yep. Um, because Beckham, like we talked about Ronaldo bringing fans, the two of the managing Madrid writers, Matt Wilty and Sam Sharp, came with the whole Beckham train. Um, they became fans through the whole Beckham thing, and many many British people did. Well, in fact, that's why Sid Lowe actually moved to Spain. He was sent there by his paper the guardian to cover beckham uh, okay. in, and he's obviously still there now and stayed there right, but right. so many journalists i worked with were sent out to spain to madrid just to, to cover, cover beckham. beckham interesting and that many of them stayed many of them stayed so beckham let's let's talk about his legacy at real madrid to you because what is it to you because he had different spells yeah at first it was very hard to integrate him obviously to, through no fault of his own of, of his own he was replacing claude mccallaley indirectly um, which made no sense. You tried to trying to squeeze in and, and shoehorn Beckham and Figo together, and McManaman is still around, and Zidane is there, and really you have this dark era of Flavio Contesao and Gravis and all that all that stuff happening at once. And he's not to blame for all that. Later on, he becomes really to me a fan favorite because he works his ass off. So much so, and that that was missed by a lot of people who wanted him to fail. Right. He, in fact, he ran so much that they started making fun of him for that. I think they called him Forrest Gump <laughs> because he just ran so much. So they even started to make fun of that. So they're making fun of someone who works really hard because maybe sometimes he was working so hard and not really doing too much on those days. Right. But he was so respected by the big names, obviously by Brazilian Ronaldo, Roberto Carlos. He was so close to. Yeah. Casillas, he had an amazing relationship with. Mm. And so... I actually did a story for 442 in Australia about okay. Beckham's time. Sid Lowe helped me a lot because he picked up from the years that I missed with Beckham when he first came in. And overall, it was a huge success. And as you say, like Beckham didn't have great Spanish. It was no surprise. Like it was no, um, no secret. But he endeared himself to the fans and he openly spoke all the time about how he loved Madrid, how he loved the club. And did do that hard work. So I think that overall it was a success. Well, there was those two years with, well, Capella was one year. So one of them must have been with Schuster where they won back-to-back titles, league titles. He'd already gone. Capella was his last year. Capella was his last yeah. year. Oh, right, because I remember him saying goodbye to the Burnabout and he was he was waving the flag and they were, yeah, they had just won. Yeah, because that's how he ended his yes, time you're there. right, yeah, yeah. So he did actually end it on a high. But that's my first season. Yeah, is Beckham's last season. Oh, right. So, but there was that whole connection he had with Ruud van Nistelrooy, which was actually amazing to watch. It was like somehow there was that one season with Capello that it was really exciting. And even though they went out against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, and that was that, that famous Roberto Carlos blunder. I remember it was in like the first few seconds in yep. Munich. Yeah. The first leg, Beckham was unbelievable. And like him and Van Nistelrooy were just combining well together. And so he, at that point of his Real Madrid career, towards the end of it, he started to fit. Oh, absolutely. Just as it, as it was ending. Just as it was ending, yeah. But Ruud van Nistelrooy, oh, where do we start? Like, they loved him too. And he did pick up the Spanish so quickly. Uh, Killer was his nickname there. If he got the ball, because we were in the stadium for every game, if he got the ball, you know, you just knew it was going to be a goal. Yeah, he's he was lethal. So c- lethal is the yeah. best word to yeah. describe him. 
And so that was a good year. This is the Juntos Podemos season. Together we can. Yeah. This is when f- there's a slip from Barca and suddenly Real Madrid look at the final running and they can do it. They finish this season, level on points with Barcelona and win on the head-to-head rule. Yeah, perfect scenario. It was crazy. Yeah. It had been 2-0 in the first Clasico with Raul and Ruud van Nistelrooy goals at the Bernabeu. Yep. In the return leg, it was Messi's hat-trick. Yeah, the it 3-3. was the amazing 3-3 yep. at the Camp Nou. Yep. So they had to head-to-head. Yeah. It was an amazing season. That's my first season at Real Madrid. Was that the same season as the Tamudasso? Yes. Yeah. The so penultimate game of the season, they both draw their games. The Tamudato is an 88-minute equaliser for Espanyol against Barcelona that kept Real Madrid in the title race. You actually saw Madridistas in Real Madrid tops with Tamudato 88 on the back of their shirts. Oh, that's a thing? I didn't know yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I saw a few of I need of to find one of those. I'll look on eBay. <laughs> So we're going there. I mean, I'm just going to th- go through some of these because not gre- l- not that much. I remember Atleti won, Real Madrid won. It was Torres' first goal past Ike Casillas, maybe at f- against Real Madrid. Okay. February 24th, 2007, Iguain's first goal for Real Madrid. And April 13th, I've got, um, I think it's Casillas kicking balls at my head. Maybe we'd do that. Okay, you need to elaborate on this one. <laughs> on. Let me see this one. This would happen a lot. Give us so the once context. You, once you start Is he just there laughing no, at you and nice. kicking the ball at your head? Your once your head? you start to get to know the players, you're on the, tra- you're on the side of the training field a lot. So they start trying to aim at you when you're doing your stand-ups mm. with the microphone. Um, oh, this isn't Casillas. This is Cassano, but I've got a Casillas kicking balls at my head story. Actually, for some reason, Cassano makes it even more entertaining. Closed doors training. Iguain, Cassano, Cannavaro, and Reyes out first. Um, Cassano starts kicking balls at my head. He starts shouting, Rubia, tu cabeza. Rubia on your head. He kept doing it. My Spanish wasn't good enough at the time here. I'm still learning. And all I can say is no, <laughs> no, <laughs> which is the same. And luckily I had uh, a work experience girl with me who was completely bilingual. And she was telling him, like, stop. And in the end with Cassano, who I was also terrified of, I realized that if you laughed with him, that's all he wanted. Mm. And then he'd stop. Mm. So that I learned quite quickly from him. That was him. his fix. That's what he needed. Yeah, and he was trying to intimidate me, but not in, an, not in a nasty way. Sure. So you have to start to get your wits about you with these players or they'll walk all over you. Yep. And you need to earn their respect pretty quickly. Yeah. And, but you can't go too fast about it because they'll be like, who's this girl? Who was the most intimidating player? Um, I think him for me at first, Cassano, I was so scared of him because he would like just do these. And I was more scared that someone like Fabio Capello, the coach, would see and say, like, she's distracting the players and we don't want her here anymore. Just get her out of here. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was most scared of. Um, There's an amazing Valencia game, but I need to go to May 12th of 2007. And you're going to like this one because you're going to remember it. Okay. May 12, 2007, Real Madrid, Espanyol. The game was amazing. At halftime, we were 3-1 down. The one from Ruud van Nistelrooy, of course. Mm-hmm. It was a Pandiani hat trick, slack defending, but we go on to win 4-3 as Reyes, Raul and Higuain with five minutes to go scored. It was euphoric. They're hailing mm-hmm. it as a landmark game that will go down in history. So this was part of the many remontadas of that This was that one, year. probably one of the biggest That ever. was one of the biggest, yeah. yeah. So that entire season, like it was actually kind of surreal living through it. Because really, I'm not. I'm trying to figure out at what point we started to believe that it was going to happen. Because it really, you needed like everything to go your way. Barca drop points, and you win everything, and you find yourselves behind in so many of these games. 
that you're like, oh, here we go again. But then they just came back. Yeah, I think there was a Recreativo game as well. There was so many. This game, though, was Iguain's first goal at the Bernabeu. What a goal to score as well. Mm. Ruud van Nistelrooy held Iguain's shirt up to the crowd as if to say, this this. is the new boy to look out for. And it was so amazing. I still go back and listen to Dan Thomas and Joel Richards' commentary on it, which you can find on YouTube because it's in-house commentary of true fans. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. It Mm -hmm. gives you goosebumps. But that was my first pitch side at the Bernabeu where I'm actually assigned to cover the game from the side of the pitch, not just a training session, the actual game. Right. So one of the backroom staff started to say, this is a good omen for you because players are superstitious. If they see that you're on the pitch, they'll start to pick journalists that where they'll see some journalists as like bad luck and some journalists as good luck. So they'll see you as good luck now. And I was like, oh God, I'm glad for that. There are so many details you're telling me that like I didn't even think would be a thing. (laughs) Oh, it's a thing. Anyway, season ends, win the league. I don't write any of this. I must have been so busy and having so much fun. Well, I was going to say like the, the, probably the climax was that last game of the season, the Reyes goal. Yeah. I, do, do you know they made me leave the stadium at halftime? Okay, tell me more. Right. So everybody's assigned a role, mm-hmm. and I'm the new girl, basically. It's my first season. So they say, at halftime, you've got to get down to see Bellas in case they win. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh. say Bellas isn't far So from you just have Karina Serran in the background. You're just, like, listening yeah, to it? Yeah, we're all doing – we're listening to it with all the construction guys putting up the scaffolding in case Real Madrid win the league. So, listen, that in itself now, when I look back, is fantastic. It's such a great experience. I got to see the first half, and then you leave, and you're listening to the radio. where or the, Everyone had a different role. My role was to be there. But then again, when they won – I was there at Thibeles with all that experience as it filled up, as right. the team arrives to be reporting on that. And right. it, it was outstanding. But to, to leave the Bernabeu at halftime was so tough. Especially after that epic second half. Exactly. I always get nervous when they set up Thibeles just in case early. But now that I think about it, it's never backfired. Sibelis was set up the week before that, by the way. Week before. So then what? that day of, they're just setting up the On the, the Tamudatho final. day, it was set up because there was a chance it could have happened that day as well. Oh, okay. So we were in a pub down the road from Sibelis that day. They didn't, I wasn't on the away game duty, but I was on Sibelis duty that day. So I had to be all ready to run down from the pub where we'd all been watching the game to go and report if... I think it, it had Barca lost and Real Madrid won, then... It would have been a league win for Do they Real leave Madrid. it up or do they tear it back down and then put it back up again? They must have tore it back. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. Probably had to take it all back down and put it back up again because you know how central it is in Madrid. Yeah. So I think the most amazing thing and telling thing is how spoiled we are as Real Madrid fans is that if you look, they've won, a, they've won every final. So all those preparations have never had to be taken down. They just win every final absolutely everything um i think i've got a funny for you here now as we go to september 21st okay give me some funny why is it funny Uh, oh so this is just a kind of sign of how some of the players were so rubinio would do running commentary so he as the players arrived into training we used to be allowed to sit down where the players arrive in and he would say marcelo feo marcelo's ugly Mm -hmm. ah here's diara feo and then he saw like a picture of himself what someone brought in and he goes, oh, guapo. And then Cannavaro comes in and he goes, okay, más o menos. Because, <laughs> only because he's got the Ballon d'Or though. <laughs> so there was always like funny things like this with the right. players that would go on. Um, but on October the 28th, I realized I've got the dream job. Oh, it's my birthday. Oh, is it really? Yeah. There you go then. October 28th, Real Madrid 3, Depot 1, home game though. Mm, was, okay. What year was that? 2007. Okay. We're still there. Why is it so special? Um, 
I was going to say, I'm trying to think of. I think it's more just me realizing. Um, it was just like it was a comeback moment. in the second half. Um, Rude afterwards spoke of how coming back in the second half is the story of the season. So it's remontada is rife. Um, scoring after a miss is a good thing. So he must have had a penalty miss before, especially taking the pen after a miss. You must get it out of your system and get it out the way. He talked about his partnership with Raul and how great they are together. Um, I think basically that I've said, oh, here it is. As we arrived at the stadium tonight, the sun was shining down. It just makes you remember how lucky we are to have this job. You've been there just when it, this, the sun sets. It's in magical. The, it's amazing, magical. isn't it? Yeah. That stadium's amazing I as well. I think I know exactly the feeling you're trying to describe. And it is like actually indescribable. But when you try to describe it, you really have to experience it. Because I think I've, I've had those moments where you're like, oh, my God, this is like surreal. Especially if you grew up as a football fan you're, and then you do it as for a living. It's just and you're sitting there. I had the most, like, the first time I did a press conference with Zidane just sitting there. Literally, like, I just was staring at him the whole time. Like, tuning out everything that was being said. That, that happens even when you work so closely with the club. If Zidane walks yeah. into the room, you're like, okay, it's Zidane. Well, Don't. Zidane has a rare presence, too. Unbelievable. It's like yeah. he floats. Yeah. Even though you can see he's walking, it feels like he's floating. It's amazing. Yeah, so, so I'm curious to know, because we got to wrap it up soon. Um, who are the people on the team throughout your tenure that had that effect on you like Zidane did? Was there anyone else? Mm, I think just, honestly, Zidane. Zidane was the one. But you know what? It's it's a silly question. To I'm not easily starstruck. Mm-hmm. I was starstruck when I met Pelé at the Ballon d'Or. Interesting. And no, uh, that it's Zidane. Zidane just, I'd sat next to, like, you know when you sit the other side of a plane, like in the same aisle, but there's the the, the, the aisle between you in the same row. Yep, yep. He'd sat, I was on a team plane once and he was just there and I kept trying to look at him out the corner of my eye. And even then when everyone's like looking at their, their tablets and everything else, he'd just like sit so stoic and mm. just seem to be so like at ease with himself. Well, we were talking about this off air and like, just the fact that he's quiet, and ex-players have talked about this, he's quiet, but then when he talks, everybody listens. Yeah. Because it's not it's not too common that he says something because he's not the not people not someone who just kind of blabbers on, but then he'll he'll kind of use his wisdom and the whole room just kind of turns. It's amazing. Yeah. And here at Being Sports, I remember when he came back, the it's quite loud often in the newsroom. It was so quiet and the telly was turned up and everybody was just listening to his why he's come back, what he's saying. Everyone was hanging on his every word, yeah. and that doesn't happen often because we see so, we see it so much. We know we're going to be cutting it later. We know we're going to be talking about it on our show and seeing it again, but everybody just stopped, and he right. has that effect. Right. Anyway, that's 2007, but I didn't realize it would take this much time. I thought we'd get the three years here. Maybe we can do a diary series. Yeah, I, I knew this was going to happen, actually. <laughs> Any time we shoot for a certain time, it always it, it's never... It never goes according to plan. So let's let's just end. Then I've got one for the end of 2007. It's October. Okay. And it's a good one. It's a nice one. It's about goal scoring R's. Right? Goal scoring R's. Okay. I yeah. think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. You'll get it. I, I don't know. I'm obviously, I obviously think I'm so clever in here as well. I've just put two. Oh, 2007. Oh, maybe I missed it. Oh, it's the 2007 diary. Yeah. Goal scoring R's. October 31st. I can think of three R's. Okay. Four. Ma- Go on, do you, want, do you want to see if you can guess? Raul, Rude. Does he count as an R? Yeah, yeah Rude. <laughs> yeah, actually, in, in this... In Robi- this Robinho. Yeah. 
Roberto Carlos, does he count? Now, come on, it's somebody who still scores for Real Madrid and will continue to now that he's renewed his contract or he's going to be oh, sticking Ramos. around. Yeah. Mr. Right-back Ramos at that time. Happy Halloween. Real got some ghouls tonight. I think I'm really funny here. Yeah, Five, in fact. Very clever. <laughs> the Valencia. whole studio's cracking up right now, our live <laughs> audience. Tumbleweeds just <laughs> riding around. <laughs> Valencia won Real Madrid 5. Raul, Ramos, RVN, RVN again, uh, Rubinho. I missed the blooming first half because uh, so I obviously not at the stadium here. But just to let you know, at this point in the season, October, so now all the R's in the league. Raúl has five goals in October. Ruud van Nistelrooy has five. Rubinho has two, and Ramos had three in October. Wow, crazy! Yeah, it's those cool. were the days of Ramos like flying up the right wing, <laughs> getting crosses in, getting into getting into on the end of crosses, bicycle kicks. Yeah, I was yeah. told by somebody I was very close to who'd played football at a good, a decent level, not at a professional level, more mm-hmm. a semi-professional. He said, Ramos is going to convert to a centre-back. And I was like, no, he won't. He's mm. so essential on the wing. And he's yeah, like, I no, didn't see it trust, either. trust me, he will. And this is a defender telling me yeah. he was totally right. Yeah, he was totally right. I, I was sceptical at the time because he played centre-back at like a couple cameos. It didn't look good. And he was just so athletic and he was so dominant on the right flank. Now when he plays there like once, like every two years, you're like, well, that, I don't know how he was this. Yeah, how was this? Yeah, how, how what was this a thing? Yeah, like, so it was way better at center back. But this guy saw it, and I think like he wasn't the only one. A lot of people had seen that, and he was like, yeah, of course, that's exactly where he'll end up. Right. And he was right. Well, so now you're, this is what I meant when, you, when I said you got yourself into something, because this is good, this could take us years. It could, but this that's could okay. Be like, this could, we could release, release one like once a year. We could. Yeah. Or maybe it's a long summer, you know, amidst transfer news, we could do another one. Over you say Skype. that now, but there will be we'll be so busy covering <laughs> this rumor and that rumor. <laughs> but that's okay. We can do that. We'll we do can it. Do we it. can squeeze it in. So we've done 2007. Kay. When we return, 2008. Coming up, 2020. <laughs> the year 2008 of Kay's diary. Kay's return to Real Madrid TV. <laughs> <laughs> we need to actually get you back in there just for the diary purposes. We could do that. Yeah, yeah. I we'll, couldn't leave them lying we'll talk around. Talk to though. some people. There's a lot more than just Real Madrid information in these babies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. High class information. Take care of those. I will. Kay Murray, thank you so much for doing this. You're awesome. Uh, people probably already know, but just in case, where do they follow you on Twitter? At KL Murray. Um, K-A-Y with the L for my middle name. And also make sure you tune in to be in sports yes. uh, during the season. I'm on the locker room Mondays and Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. Do the wrap-up show, The Extra, where you'll see lots of Real Madrid. And we've got Sports Burst Monday to Friday, which you can watch on digital on Facebook with Gabriella Mardo. Often on a Friday, I'll be on with her. Perfect. So be in sports, K. Murray. Uh, please follow all those channels. K. Murray, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we'll chat soon. Yep, definitely will. Thank you. This is part two of the Managing Madrid podcast. Part one with K. Hope you enjoyed it. Part two. This It's kind of funny. There's a lot happening right now. This all race. Ray Hudson just burst through the door. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to soak it all in. What Ray Hudson, welcome to the show. Very, thank you very much. Nice for uh, my uh, having the invite and everything. People, people wonder if you're the same on air as you are off air. Mm. The answer is no, because off air you're actually even more intense. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, but um, I don't know. It's just uh, the way I've always been, and um, thank God, you know, I was able to get uh, the platform of uh, calling football games because if I didn't have that, um, I don't know what the hell I would be doing, you know. 
I mean, how do you let this sort of, uh, you know, appreciation for the beautiful game out if you're just a regular supporter? Well, what you do is do what people like you and uh, all the, the lads on your website and the girls, of course, um, what they produce in, 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 in word form. In word form, right. I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, you know. You I, have to verbalize it. Yeah, I've got yeah. it. It's got it. If it's it's in me, it's gonna come out. Yeah. But it, it for all them lads and lasses that put down their thoughts on your posts and watch the games and try to translate all of that excitement and passion and and drive and disappointment and euphoria, to do that on a on a on a keyboard. <laughs> You know, I, I I I couldn't do that. No, no. it's a it's a different. Like even when I look at commentators, it's a different art altogether. Like yeah. I could never do it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a, a whole different dimension to the game because you've got to juggle so many things into it. You know, you have to try to relay the the intensity of the game, the excitement, the brilliance of these individuals, the collective, the tactics, the whole strategy, uh, what the coaches are looking for, the atmosphere, and you got to do it now. Yeah. You got to do it in a split second. Yeah. And when there's there's moments of pure uh, unbelievable magic that we see, the performing arts right in front of your eyes, when that comes to to life, capturing that is something that is um it, it, it's very it's very difficult, but it's a joy to do. It's a true joy. So you have a lot of iconic moments. So before you came Kay and I were going through her Real Madrid diary from oh. her time at Real Madrid TV. Yeah. And we were talking about the 3-1 at the Bernabeu in 2007. Kay, is that right? 2007. Yeah. So, and Reyes scores that goal, the curler, far post curler against Mallorca, the yeah. last match day of the season. Mm -hmm. And you had one of your most iconic yeah. just calls. Yeah. So much so that there's a whole YouTube video dedicated to this. <laughs> really? It was Tom Cruise and the tennis players. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty uh, memorable. And there's there's moments like this in in every game. Um, it, you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of the creme de la creme games. Um, it be in sports and in my past at Goal TV when I called the La Liga games and the Serie A games and on and on. Um, you're very fortunate to be able to deliver this. I consider myself really fortunate, mm. and I know you know I I I, I can I, I kind of change. I mean that's the thing that's that's always been a part of of everywhere that I've went, uh, whether it be calling games in MLS, calling games at ESPN, uh, in in in, in uh, Goal TV, in being sports. The one thing the people in charge, thankfully, have understood is that you kind of change them. Mm -hmm. You're going to get what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. you're, what you see is what you get. So don't try to cook all them into a, uh, a little area because it doesn't work. And I couldn't tolerate that sort of atmosphere and restrictions anyway. Right. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that part mm. of it. And, and there's nothing I can do about that. It, you know, for that, for that sort of element to not be uh, pleased with that sort of commentary, I, 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 I'm not sorry, but, you know, there's other situations that you can go to. Uh, I'd, if I could change, if I could temper it down sometimes, I, I probably would. 
but there's the 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 emotion just gets levitated uh, to such an extent that it it's it's just footloose and fancy free for me every time. The moment you start restraining yourself, you're no longer Ray Hudson. That's Please true. Please don't ever do that. It's, it is yeah. true, and uh, you know it's it's strange because um, it's such <laughs> it's such a unique sort of uh, approach because anybody that even comes remotely close to being that hyperbolic, uh, to be that expressive, to be that ultra, ultra uh, excitable. Um, there's, there's basically there's only one person in the English language on the English side that, that is compared to, he's, he's doing a Ray Hudson. <laughs> and I always find that's pretty comical. But um, I think a lot of it comes from as well, the, the fact that I spent so much time listening to uh, Latin football and um, loved the way that the, the, for me, that is still the language of, of the game, uh, the, the, the Spanish language. It still, for me, conveys the, 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 whole, um, the whole timber of, of football, the whole personality of the football. And uh, I, I prefer listening to Spanish football uh, commentate as uh, infinitely more than uh, more than English commentators, I must admit. You've been doing this since the early millennium, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure the exact year, 2000. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so we're on the same page. Neither of us know, but it was. Uh, it's been quite a while. Yeah. If you look back and reflect on it now, are there any moments of commentary that jump out to you that you'll just never forget that moment, whether it's because of a specific play of a certain player mm. or the emotion that you felt during that time? The, the, the one that uh, was, was truly special was the Ronaldinho goal um, against Villarreal. Oh, the bicycle kick. With that yeah. bicycle kick. Yeah, yeah. Ronaldinho. Yes! Escano denied, blocked away at the last moment. Rebound still in danger. Escano tries to force it in. It was Takanardi. Oh, 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 my goodness! To cap it off. A thing of beauty and brilliance. Ronaldinho makes it 4 nothing. As electrifying as a hairdryer thrown into a hot tub, my friend. Absolutely breathtaking. He puts the Haitian voodoo rattle on this one when he finishes. Ah, oh, like Betamax. They do not make them like him anymore. What more can you say? An extraordinary goal by an extraordinary player that will send these people into their dreams tonight thinking of heavenly things. Absolutely bamboozles his defender with this virtuoso goal. And little Blondie says, I want to be like him. I doubt it very much. That, that I nearly had an out-of-body experience. I remember that. <laughs> there when that happened. Oh, my goodness! To cap it off, a thing of beauty and brilliance, Ronaldinho makes it 4 nothing. As electrifying as a hairdryer thrown into a hot tub, my friend. Absolutely breathtaking. He puts the Haitian voodoo rattle on this one. When he finishes, ah, oh, like Betamax, they do not make them like him anymore. What more can you say? An extraordinary goal 
by an extraordinary player that will send these people into their dreams tonight thinking of heavenly things. Absolutely bamboozles his defender with this virtuoso goal. And little Blondie says, I want to be like him. I doubt it very much. The, the rest of them, uh, th that was just one of those moments. It was um, beyond descriptives. And, and it, it deserved something that, that was far more um, expressive than just a brilliant goal or just a wonderful goal or a, you know, a genius goal. And that's where you have to dip in. That's where I dip. You don't have to, but that's where I feel um, the need to, to delve into a lexicon that is as mad as what we have just seen. Mm. You know, uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo winner at, 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 against Barcelona. Right. You know, right. the uh, calma, calma. Yep. You know, those sorts of moments. Uh, the Xavi goal that mm. uh, started the, the blitz uh, when they won five. The, yeah. the, the, the These were really the tension of the games as well adds so much more in the approach to those moments the tension and the you know what's at stake the the, the whole elevated drama of it um you know Messi's final goal when they beat the the Los Blancos in the last seconds of the game that 3-2 uh staggering yep. staggering drama yeah and uh <laughs> And then you're reduced to just a primal scream sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, so there's, but it's not just on the on the glories of the goals as well. You know, the the great goalkeepers have always excited me. Remember when uh, Real Madrid won the uh, when Ancelotti's uh, the the the, uh, the 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 league, yeah. and, um, and and Iga was crying. Yeah, Iga was crying. Yep. And I was crying. Yeah. During the game, he was crying tears the size of pineapple, pineapple chunks. chunks. Yeah. And uh, the 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 way that game unfolded, and then of course, like you say, when uh, Phil, like he knows the buttons to push sometimes, <laughs> because he's talking about Tom Cruise upstairs, and I, and, I, and I, I lost it. I lost it because these were the these were the matadors down there. These were the matadors, yeah. and he's talking about flipping Hollywood stars. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm crying tears of pineapple chunks mm. just listening to this. Uh, yeah. So I, um, there's a lot there in what you said. Um, I think what the interesting thing about Casillas is that why we love him so much is also he is us mm -hmm. in that moment where he's crying on the pitch. Yeah. We feel that, and just like some of the most iconic Casillas moments are just him crying sure. as an unbelievable as a sure. goalkeeper he was. Sure. That passion, like sure. just was. A... I'm so proud to say this that he follows me on Twitter. You wow! Know, yeah, I know. I I haven't actually exchanged notes with him uh -huh. uh, yet, but uh, he he doesn't follow many people, and it's not none of the big stars do. But uh, I'm I'm so proud of that. Mm. So somehow, somebody, some way, probably K. Murray has told him <laughs> just, that just uh, sent him a clip. He, he's your biggest fan, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, um, but I love I've I've, I've loved uh, you know what Kayla has done, yep. of course, in the time uh, he's produced. Just uh, magic moments at the other end of the pitch, and so it's not just all about the glory of the great goal scorers and the goal, 
you know, the penalty box predators. Um, it's the Ramoses, you know, fighting the Bengal tiger in the dark. You know, the, these are descriptors that you've got to go to. How the hell else can you describe a leader like that? Yeah. You know, how do you, where do you go to? You know, uh, it, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't frame their brilliance and their courage and their ability as proper uh, footballers. And uh, it, it doesn't do them justice. To just describe them in a in a natural, normal sort of way for me, if I was listening, and I, one of my heroes was a great darts commentator called Sid Waddle. Okay, and he was from Newcastle. He was a, a local man, but for, it, and you know, people listen and think, he's, oh, he's definitely lost it now. He's definitely slipping away. But I'm talking about darts here, <laughs> and this guy elevated a, a game of darts to right. such you know, monumental standards of excitement and drew thousands and thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people into the commentary, into the event, because of how wonderfully descriptive and, and colourful and expressive as he was. I stole so many lines from Sid. And I, I, I only steal from the best. And Sid was the absolute best. Interesting. I had no yeah. idea. That's interesting. If you can make yeah. darts interesting. Really? And in. that's what he did. Yeah. He truly did. Um, we're, we're probably going to talk about this a little bit tonight, too, on the locker room. But mm. the some of the changes that Real Madrid need to make. Right. They're, they're, a lot of people kind of, they, they vary in their opinion and, and we get a lot of different responses from fans, you know, mm. just given the nature of our podcast. Sure. And some people feel that there's a revolution needed. Mm. Some people think like, you know, really, maybe it's just two or three pieces yeah. plus Zidane getting the best. Right. Where do you see it? Uh, you know, where I see it, uh, in all honesty, it's, it, it's typical of football. We saw it with Milan, you know, the aging of a team that was so, you know, monumentally magnificent and had a great standard and it slowly slipped away. Manchester United, another one. But Real Madrid, you know, uh, you would have thought that they m would have seen the, uh, the process just starting to slip a little. But at that time, and this is the... this for me is that was the tender trap for Real Madrid. At that time, where maybe they should have been freshening that squad up, that was at their zenith. That was the height of the of the Zidane era. Where every, where they were all conquering. Even mm -hmm. you know, especially when they won the league. Yeah. Especially when they won the league. Yeah. Uh, that side was absolutely Buccaneering, absolutely swashbuckling football, uh, and, a, the, and a true blunt force of a, a combination of players that they were absolutely at their height. For a coach to to say, right, we need to refresh the squad. That's a difficult place to be. Yeah, and I can understand why he kept faith with these players. And now it's starting to look like. That may have been a mistake, but in hindsight is everything. In hindsight it's is everything. Easy to see. But now they're faced with a, a, you're not just refreshing the squad and importing some, you know, typical world-class players that befit that shirt. Now they need Zidane more than ever yeah. to show that he's a real coach. And that, for me, is going to be as much of a challenge as anything that they face. Whether, whether or not whoever they get and bring into that team, it's going to be Zidane. And people have always questioned his tactical flexibility and his, his skill as a, as a coach. He's always been a, you know, one of these whisperers into these um, world-class players. And that gets the best out of them sometimes. Yeah. 
this time that won't do it, I, I believe. Uh, and they've got to, he's got to do some serious drilling and coaching. The good fortunate part for Real Madrid, I think, is that Barcelona are in the same type of position. Atletico Madrid are in very similar type of position. Yep. But Atletico uh, probably the most extreme of all three. That's just right. Because they have some crazy, that's right. yeah, it's wholesale. Exactly. Um, there's been some surprises for me for Zidane. Um, the Regulon um, yeah. situation is really surprising for me. I don't understand um, the the way that player was was actually performing. Um, it was was from the first day. I remember Phil and I were calling the game and I was just gushing him after five minutes. After five minutes, it's this disc. Who is this? Because yeah. I hadn't seen him before. I'd heard reports about him, but I hadn't seen him. And he came out and was just brilliant. And he's been pushed to the side by Zidane uh, for Marcelo, who, you know, I love Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo. You do, yeah. But uh, these were these are moments. There's a lot, though, man. It's you know, you've, these guys have went through three coaches. That that the, the one year Zidane was given the baton and see what you can make of this. You know, it, it really doesn't matter. They were so far behind the leaders. He's weighed it all up. He's looked at players, um, and now it's it's coming down. It's going to come down to the serious. The serious off season and see what they come and uh, accent the team with. So we talked about Regulon a little bit earlier today on Sportsburst, and I asked Kay the question: like, how much control do you think actually Zidane should have in terms of the transfers? And I asked that because um, the the name of Erland Mendy came up, right? Left back, very talented, obviously. Yeah. In the position that Real Madrid are so deep in, right? You have Ashraf Hakimi at Dortmund sure. playing great at left They're back, Teo Hernandez at Sociedad, although yep. not doing that well. And then Regulon, who's out of these this cluster of left backs, has really impressed more than anybody yeah. for me. So yeah. the question I pose to you is: Would you give Zidane one hundred percent the reins? And assuming that this is the conditions he had coming back, right, right, right. Um, I think you have to trust him. You have enough. to trust. Yeah. I think there is that element in in Zidane uh, because this is his moment. This is his season. I, I don't see another type of situation where uh, they can they can be half-hearted with this now, especially after the two previous coaches. And you know, the the concern for the Madridistas, of course, is the fact that it didn't work out in this this short period where he came back. It, it, the elevation in the form of the team really wasn't there. The, you know, the Zidane effect was. Pretty muted, but he was taking notes up here. He was looking at these players. The messages had been sent. They've got a lot of problems. It, it just, I cannot remember in recent times where Real Madrid have had so many problems. The other problems that they've had have been good ones. Um, yeah. You know, surplus and talent. Exactly. Yeah. And knowing how, but they've always known, that, you know, and of course, losing a player of Ronaldo's stature. Uh, you know, such a disproportionate goal scorer, I call him. Y you cannot, everybody says you cannot replace him, but it, there's, there's replacing goal scorers and then there's replacing disproportionate goal scorers. And yeah. that's what he was. Yeah. So that in itself was a transition. Um, and it flattered to deceive early on, but, you know, the new guys are coming in. Uh, you know, Jovic just looks as if he's 
on his way in all likelihood. Yeah. There's a number of others, of course. We all know the, the usual suspects, the Pogbas, and uh, on and on. But um, no matter what it is, it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be a new. It's going to be a new era for Zidane. This isn't the old school now. This surprising though. I mean, the some of the the signings, uh, the Tony Cross situation, mm -hmm. that surprised me a little bit. The contract extension. Yeah, yeah. Mm. you know, I thought in that area might be the place where they mean. But 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 Zidane would have had, I would imagined, not full authority, but the authority with the president to, to say it. this is where we're going to go. We're yeah. sticking with these guys. Well, Kroos it's is young enough forward. that you'd hope because he's only 28. Right. The Modric situation is a bit different because Modric is such, so much older than Kroos, yeah. and you think that maybe he's he can be phased out naturally. Sure. Where Kroos, you you can maybe. Chalk it up to just a bad season. Sure. And just move on. Yeah, I, I just wonder if, if with the passage, not just with the passage of time, but the dynamic of the, the, the game now, if that can continue. You're talking about players two, three years ago that had all of that compass within their game and they accented one another. But there's been there's just been fall offs on each of these players, key players around yeah. them, even even Ramos, even Casem Casemiro, yeah. Marcelo. So it, it's not going to be a question of just putting one component or one line uh, right. This is again I can't overemphasize it. Zidane is going to be under huge scrutiny this time around. Yeah, yeah. Way this is the most pressure he's had. Yeah. Coming into next season, not so much this season. Yeah. We kind of knew like it was going to sure. be experiments and sure. And you can just imagine how long is it going to be before that crowd, you know, if if he loses a game, yeah, it, it, you know, it's a disaster at yeah. Real Madrid. Yeah. One game, <laughs> yeah. and the, the the whistles and the being starts. Uh, if he loses two or three, and the results aren't going well, man. Uh, but that's the standard Real Madrid set. He knows it. I wonder if they're winning in the past couple seasons, well, more, three, four, five seasons, somewhat um, mask their issues. Oh, yeah. and, and maybe in hindsight, it's easy, like you said, to mm -hmm. say, this should have been done. Right. I looked at a Liverpool owner, he was giving an interview today, I don't know if you saw, mm -hmm. but he, he said it was a failure for them not to win the league, mm -hmm. and that they're gonna go splash money to mm -hmm. make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. And I'm looking at their squad, I'm like, the squad is incredible. Like, yeah, sure. And so that mentality, and also Manchester City's mentality of constantly adding, adding, no matter how much you win, you just keep sure. strengthening, strengthening. Where I think Real Madrid looked at it the other way. It was like, why fix it mm -hmm. if we don't need to fix it because right. the results tell us something else. And, and you know, the, the beguiling part of it uh, <clears throat> for me, the real uh, strange part of it was, and Zidane admitted it um, himself when he said, yeah, I am lucky. You know, some of the two of the three for me of the of the Champions League successes, they weren't lucky. They were fortunate in some regards, but everybody is. These teams that are playing in this Champions League final, they were lucky, fortunate, call it what you will, to get past opponents very late in games. Um, and I'm not talking about the miracles that they pulled off against Ajax and Barcelona. I'm talking about way before, right. in the early stages. Right. Yeah. Um, so you've got to have that fortune. But the league, that's a different element. And keeping the players and your squad focused on that is where Real Madrid have definitely fallen 
to the side. And Zidane has made it his priority by some of the quotes that you read. He yeah. knows that, you know, they they fell further behind Barcelona this season than they did yeah. the previous Which season. Which is staggering. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then it's reflected that this time they didn't have their, their cup, the Champions League Cup, uh, to... to to paper over the cracks again. Yeah. But listen, it's all in the history books now. This th- this off season is going to be uh, crucial for the for the rebuilding of Real Madrid. Whether it's you know and and the, the options he's got, you know, Hazard's coming in. Are you going to take Vinicius's minutes away mm. because you know how much the White House loves him? I mean, loves him. Yeah. Uh, you know that's a that's that was love at first sight, and yeah, he's still learning his footballing alphabet, but he is a stupendous yep. player. Yeah. And uh, how can you how can you turn away from him? Mm. Um, and there's a number of, of of others in different positions as well, and it all comes down to the man with the bald head on the sideline. He's got to get so many things right. Yeah. And the start of the season is going to be the biggest part of it and it's going to be great to see them here mm-hmm. in the ICC that's right yeah. uh, here in the United States so uh, I'm going up to New York to do that game against okay. Atletico Madrid so okay. I'm going to be in New York okay. uh, for Sirius XM and um, looking forward to that so yeah we'll see so we got to wrap it up soon but I wanted to rewind a little bit to the beginning of the season mm. there was this brief period where I won't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for myself. Mm. You kind of could talk yourself into like, maybe this is okay that, that you know, Ronaldo left, but Bale was on fire. Sure. They had the- Benzema the, was playing well. Benzema was playing well. They had those two games against Roma where they blew them out of the park. That's right. And they were Signs winning everything. Were good. Yeah, the possession this was good. This is working. It was clinical. So put yourself <laughs> in that time frame. Yeah. What were your thoughts when that uh, was happening? Exactly the same as you. This yeah. could work. Yeah. This coach isn't so bad. Yeah. And then the wheels started to get a little shaky, and then they came off really quick. Very quick. And, you know, when Solari came in, it was somewhat similar. There was glimmers of hope and glimmers of of it being correct. Uh, And there were some good individual team performances, but it couldn't be maintained. Hey, listen, I I wish I had the answers to it. I Mm. I don't. when when I saw them play, even at, towards the end, there was games that Z, that Zidane effect looked as if oh he's back all right, you know this is this is better. But then it was it started yeah. to get a little more shaky. It's football, yeah. it truly is. You look at Juventus, mm-hmm. everything that they stacked up, it what they should have, could have, would have done. Manchester United, Manchester City, getting knocked out and early in the PSG. There's no secret in this game. Yeah. There's no formula that everybody's got it right. And where we all take a different look through that kaleidoscope of football, that one little change, and that changes everything. Right. It changes everything. And a certain player can do that. They thought it was CR7 in Juventus. Even that didn't work out. Yeah. And they rode away with their domestic league. So... It's such a combination of of uh, it, it, the true chemistry of our our game is unfathomable. Yeah, I keep on saying it to people. We don't know football. No, we don't know. Yeah. you people listening don't know it. Yeah. There's always. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> I I backed Liverpool mm-hmm. to beat Barcelona on that night. 
Yeah. I backed Liverpool yeah. because I know what football is capable of. Mm. I knew that they would, they would or could do this if all the stars were in alignment. Mm. But that starlight is never dependable. You don't know what's going no. to happen. But there was a great opportunity to foot for football to rise above and, sh and, and, and again, show a face to the world to say, you see, you don't know me. You'll never know me. You'll never figure me out. All we can do is try to make these wonderful calculations, yep. these wonderful calculated guesses. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it works out. Look at Germany in the World Cup. Yeah. What the hell happened there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how could you predict that sort of disaster? Um, on and on, it just never fails to, to bewitch us. Um, but these institutions, likes of Real Madrid, especially at the at the top of the list, they won't allow that to happen. Their history won't allow it. In this 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 president who is so, you know, emphatic about doing it the Real Madrid way, is putting all of his chips into the middle of the table this time with Zidane in the hope that he can turn this around um, after what was a, a, a truly miserable season. For, yeah. for for the for Los Blancos and um and it must have it must have been at least a little uh, salving the wounds when they looked at how Barcelona faded at the end. Yeah. I mean it, and Atletico. And Atletico. You know, on and on. So. Florentino denied that, but there's no question that definitely internally he's oh, they're yeah. all they're all relieved for because sure. the more Barcelona wins the more pressure for is on sure. them to get it exactly. right exactly and now yeah. it turns around for a new season for us to to be really anticipating uh, you know the the hazard signing is just the start of it by all accounts you know i still don't know what's going to happen with the goalkeeping situation hmm. um I'm not a great fan of Thibaut Courtois. I loved him. Say. I <laughs> loved him in England, but I don't know if he fits with this team. But we'll find out. And I don't know. Yeah. That's my calculated guess. But uh, that is going to be a, a big time, big time decision. And they've yeah. already made it. So yeah. now the spotlight is yours, Thibaut. Yeah. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Ray Hudson, this has been a joy, uh, a pleasure. Thank you for you. doing this. And uh, always you. look forward to your insight on being and yeah. your analysis. I take a lot of analysis away from you guys on those pages. Likewise, Believe me, I read them and I look at them and I enjoy them. And it's great descriptives. And uh, I love all of the, on that whole website, on all of them. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's really it's fun to read, fun to read because you, you, people really really love the game and love your club, and will die with them, and that's the best part of football. Well, thank you, and it's uh, likewise we we learn a lot from you, ah, so uh, it's a. Uh, you know, we're, we always look forward to your analysis. Do you, are you going to get a chance to take some holiday this summer at least? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to, but it'll not be overseas. And my father passed away, you know, about a year ago now. And uh, he's, um, there's no pull to, for me to go back to England. But uh, on, on the, uh, just a vacation site, I'll probably stay around here in the States somewhere. Maybe Canada for a little couple of weeks. But, uh, that, that, that's about it. And uh, looking forward to going to New York and seeing... Uh, See the mattress makers against uh, the Marengues. If you come to Canada, we'll take you out to some good, good maple syrup oh, okay. pancakes. We'll, All right. Yeah, we'll show you a good time. All right. We'll show you a good time. Sounds good. All right, Ray Hudson, thank you so much for doing this, Very and uh, we'll welcome. chat soon. Thank Very you. welcome. My pleasure. Thanks.